Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in St. Louis, Missouri, it's time for St. Louis Business Radio. Now, here's your host. Hello, good people, and welcome to Doc's Discussions here on St. Louis Business Radio X. I am so excited about our guest today. Too many accolades to name. I will probably miss some. I don't want to offend this fantastic human being. So I'm just going to get right into the introduction of Dr. Stephanie Wilson Coleman. Dr. Wilson Coleman, how are you? I am doing absolutely fantastic and no worries because I am not easily offended. Okay. Okay, good, good. Well, then you're on the right show. Yeah, I'm going to try not to offend you, but I'm glad to know that I got a little leeway. So this is Yeah, great. you got some leeway. <laughs> I appreciate having you here today. Like I said, I, I've been looking forward to this interview for a while. You were nice enough to, to have me on your show, Sip with Inspiration, which we'll dive into here later in our show. Uh, but I'm definitely excited to, to see you again and connect with you again. It's a good spirit. It's a good energy. So I'm looking forward to this. Okay, I am too. Awesome. So I've had a chance to read through your story and, and being very lucky to do so. And I come away with the feeling that you are a survivor. You're a fighter in your life. Your story is extremely inspirational. Can you tell us uh, and, and my viewers more about your past, where you come from? How do we get to this, the, the Dr. Wilson calming that we had today? I, I know you, you've overcome a few things, to say the least. Oh, yeah, to say the least. As a matter of fact, I used to say that any day I did not consider suicide was a good day. So that's how I managed to decide whether it was a good day or not. I yeah. grew up in Little Rock, Arkansas. Uh, everything you've heard about it is probably true. Uh, and then started planning my escape from Little Rock when I was like 14. I was a teen mom, pregnant at 14, had my uh, child at 15. And it wasn't pleasant in a small town like Little Rock, Arkansas. So you lost all your friends. You lost supposedly, you were supposed to lose all hope. But hope has been the one thing that I have leaned on. So luckily I didn't lose hope. So I graduated the top of my class, uh, graduated in, from college early. And not because I was trying to prove anything, but because I was constantly told that I was going to have to take care of myself. No one's going to take care of someone that has a baby already. So I knew I had to get busy. So I graduated college, then eventually got married and moved to Florida. And that seemed like a happy ending, but it was at the end of the marriage where I ended up homeless. Okay. I suffered a basal skull fracture. Uh, and that's where you rattle the brainstem. And 96% of the people at that time did not recover from basal skull fractures. So I tell people when you want to, the one good thing that happened to me was that near death experience because they told me I was going to die. And what I have learned is when people tell you you're going to die, you get real clear about what you want to do. So all of those people that you're afraid to let go of, that are dragging you down, trust me, somebody tells you you're going to die, you are not afraid of that anymore. Everybody has to go. And you learn that you don't even have to explain why they have to go. You just stop calling them or answering their calls. I usually joke that um, God created call waiting for that purpose. So <laughs> when the negative people call, you see who's calling and you don't have to answer the call. Yeah. Says you have to answer the call. So fast forward, um, 
I ended up, uh, my son graduated from Jackson State University. Um, so that was a success. Uh, and I went further in the education. Now, in the homelessness part, and then being told you're going to die too, you know you've got to get busy That So that's the quickest way to get rid of people who are dragging you down. You do have to learn what what your purpose is. Why did you get here? So you learned, I learned the hard way to ask the right questions. You know, not right. why is this happening to me? Because that's a question that no one can answer. Okay. But the question is, what do I do next? What have I learned? Those are questions that you can answer. So what did I learn? So I learned that um, you can't spend all of your money. Okay. Uh, right. Because with a divorce, uh, you know, we were make, we were two incomes and he was making great money. And then when we, he left, he took all the money out of the bank and stole the money from the cell, cell of the house. So I didn't have any place to stay. I mean, it's all of that. So I learned you can't spend all of your money. And that's, that was a harsh way to learn it. But I also learned that for me to move forward, I needed what I call the cosmic two by four. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so I don't seem to get moving <laughs> when it's a friendly reminder, right? Yeah, so, right. <laughs> I wasn't that person, so <laughs> so so I had to get near death before I said, "Oh, okay, that's what you were trying to tell me, universe." So, okay. yeah. but I'm listening now. So I started <laughs> to journal, and my first book was "Is Anybody Listening." <laughs> Okay. And I journaled about the everything, the experiences I had, the different experiences and the spiritual awakenings, because there will be a spiritual awakening. Uh, people don't always call it that, but, you know, not to offend anyone, there will be a spiritual awakening because you will you will find out that you're not doing it by yourself, that there's something greater than you in this universe that will help you through those things. If you trust it, there's something that will let you know what the next step is if you listen. So yeah. you've got to learn how to listen and you've got to learn how to trust. So that's what I found out in the book. It wasn't that people weren't listening to me. That's what I thought. People were not listening to me. I wasn't listening to the universal presence. I wasn't listening and looking at the signs that were all around me that this thing that I was living called a life was going to like burn up. Okay. I was going to crash and burn. I wasn't listening to it. So when I started to listen to it, I promised God, I said, okay, you get me out of this. I will never be back here again. Okay. I promise you that I will never be back again. So I started by Literally, what can I do now with what I have? And that is probably the most important thing anyone listening can do. What can you do right now with what you have? And if you don't have anything, there's a whole lot you can do. You can get out a piece of paper. You can start writing down what you're grateful for. Because if you are on this side of the ground, you can make some changes. So even be grateful for that. OK, um, you need to do some forgiveness, too. So I had to let go some of that residue that I was carrying around about people who did me wrong. So I generally 
uh, talk about our they did me wrong stories. Everybody got a they did me wrong story. Okay, everybody. All right. Of course. Yeah. You got to let them go. Okay. Right. <laughs> okay. Figure out what you learned. Figure out what you could have possibly done different if it happens now. And don't beat yourself up for, for where you are now because that's like driving your car in a rearview mirror. You can't change that back there. That happened. Just right. write down what you learned. Write down what you now know never to do again. Okay. Right. okay. Right. And those then become like your values and your morals and don't ever break them. Okay. So, for instance, uh, I had to figure out money. So, I figured out money. So, there's some, I tithe. I don't care what's happening. I tithe. And the thing about tithing is people get caught up on the 10%. They don't have it. So, if you've got 1%, tithe 1%. Right. Okay. It's the actual action that changes the thought process. It's not the amount of money. It's not the percentage. It's the action that you need to take to get where you need to go. And forgive yourself because we can forgive other people easily. Yeah. But forgive yourself and take full responsibility. So I did. So I took a job. I, I actually took a job in another state. Uh, and then they told me they couldn't pay me after a week. So I was homeless again. <laughs> so I said, okay, God, now. There is some place you want me to be, and I'm just not there. Where is that place? Right. <laughs> right. And then an hour or so later after that prayer, my aunt from Chicago called and said, you know, if you can get here, you can stay with me. Now, fast, you know, let's go backwards a little bit, because I yeah. visited her some years before all of that happened to me. And the, I was on the beach, and the little voice said, you need to move to Chicago. I lived oh. in Florida, and I said, it's too cold in Chicago. I'm not going. But it is too cold. I mean, let, let's just be honest with the listeners. It is a little too cold, but no, keep going. <laughs> right. It's too cold. I said, it's too cold. I'm used to 80, 90, 120 degrees. I can take 120, but I can take 27, okay? Yes. And the message said, no, you're going to Chicago. I said, mm-mm, not going to Chicago. So fast forward, everything fell apart for me in Florida and this universal presence got me where I needed to be, which was in Chicago. Yeah. Okay. I took a job where they asked me what I needed to make. Okay. And, okay. and it was a, it was a, a gaming company. So they asked me if I could work at home or if I wanted to work uh, in the office um, and things just started going. My career uh, reached its height. Employer paid for my master's degree, my MBA from the University of Chicago. I didn't have to pay for it. So this is where I was supposed to be to do the work that I needed to do. And I got here and it was nearly magical. Now, I'd not say I didn't have to work. You know, I applied for everything. I still had to study. I still had to do the work. But the finances, I paid off $65,000 in debt in no time. I started to tie 10, 15%. I was able to put money in savings, all of that, because the universe got me where they wanted me to be, to do the work that the universe wanted me to do for it. We forget sometimes that we didn't come here just to live out our, fans, our fantasies 
and do what we want to do. We were created by a higher being and we will do what that higher being needs us to do. And you will go kicking or screaming, but I recommend <laughs> that you go peacefully because I've done the kicking and screaming part. Yeah, yeah. The kicking and screaming, that, 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 that's the truest statement of, of, of it all. And you definitely dropped some knowledge for us with that too. So I want to tap a little bit into that time frame of Chicago, right? So part of your background, uh, an executive MBA, uh, a PhD in holistic life counseling. Take us through what those processes, you know, and, and those achievements, right? So a life of achievements, but those particular achievements, especially in that timeline, what did that do for you? I mean, that, that's part of your overcoming roadblocks and conflicts mm -hmm. of the past. That sounds like a crossroad point. Tell us a little bit more about that. So it was a crossroad point. Um, and it was something that I always wanted to do younger. I always wanted to go to an Ivy League school. I don't know why. I had the <laughs> GPA. I had the in intelligence, as they said. But, you know, back then I was pregnant, had a baby, and that just wasn't happening, right? Right. So when I got here, I had a great job at a gaming company. They uh, were eventually bought out by Microsoft and moved to Seattle. Well, you know, I just got to Chicago. It's cold. I'm still missing 100 degree weather. I am not going to Seattle. Right? And when I even got that job, this is a cute thing, is when I took that, when I was looking for work, I says, God, you know, everything is far around here. I can't drive for 20 minutes. I am not getting on a train to go to work. And this job, so I turned down jobs because they didn't meet my requirements. This right. job was 20 minutes from work, <laughs> free parking. <laughs> I can pick my hours. <laughs> okay. And they paid me who I wanted to pay. So I was really clear. So in the university. Yeah. yeah. So then when they went, I says, God, you know, I'm not going to rainy dark weather. I'm I'm still missing that. So I took up, they gave me a buyout. And my 401, my uh, 401 was fantastic that I didn't even have to contribute to. Microsoft was that good of an employer. So right. he took all that with me. And then I had a friend that worked for a temp agency and says, go over here and apply for me. Right. I went over there. I didn't like it. Didn't like the people. They didn't like me. I went home. Right. But then they called back and said, oh, we want you to. To we want to interview. We want to interview for this position. So would you apply for it? So I said okay, and I and then they offered it to me. So I gave them this ridiculous salary, and they said okay. I said <laughs> oh oh okay, but it was temporary, no problem. And then a permanent position came up, and they the HR called and said you didn't apply for this. I hadn't planned on applying, but I applied. Right. Yeah. So I applied, I got the salary I wanted, um, and then I got bored after a couple years. And my boss said, why don't you go to, look at one of the graduate schools. You know, you're really good at that. You could, you would really do well with an MBA. Look at one of the top graduate schools. So in Chicago, that would be University of Chicago and Northwestern. I applied, I got in both too. But University of Chicago was closer to the office and closer to where I live. So I said, I'm going to take that. Okay, I'm going to take that. I have not never, I have never worked so hard in my life. And I came out of that. I, I came out of the University of Chicago experience saying, I used to think I was really smart because they always said I had a great IQ. But when your first week of classes, 
uh, with all of the Nobel Prize winners, you realize just how smart you're not. Okay. So you're saying you just got to bump up your standard just a little bit. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just, just a little bit. Okay. So I ended up working still full time. And then my process was they give you all of your books before the class. So uh, I would read everything before that semester even started, tempt the homework. And then we had, we worked in groups. It was, it was tough. But the great thing is we did uh, intern, we did a 10 day intern in Singapore and to, to study financial instruments and to actually study the, um, the, uh, the system where how we move goods and services throughout uh, the world because they have one of the best uh, trucking industries and over there to move uh, goods. So we studied that and um, financial instruments and then I went to Barcelona. So that was a matter of understanding that the gift was given the work was hard. I still had to work. I still had to do that. I learned more quicker than I ever thought. My staff, though, because uh, I use them as my guinea pig. So as I would learn new concepts, I take that back to work. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to run this. So my staff would say, we're going to tell you, you can't go to any more classes and you can't go to any more conferences because you work right. up to them. But as a result of it, I was able to share that knowledge with people who worked for me, and it even inspired some of them to go back and get more education and start start uh, living their dreams too. So, because I obviously have proven that if you can make it when the people tell you you're going to die, okay, I think everybody needs a near-death experience because all them people y'all say y'all going to stop talking to and y'all going to leave alone, y'all have a hard time. But let somebody tell you you're going to die, okay? Right. Right. It's the easiest thing to do. So it helped them uh, with knowing that they could do more too, that it's never too late right. to do more. So the staffs I've always had, have I've always encouraged them to do their best at work and make sure they're sharing all of their ideas and to make sure that if we have to rearrange some schedules or something so that they too can get some additional education so that they can start to live their dreams to see what they actually can do. We don't trust ourselves enough to step out there, but right. hopefully they, and some of them say to, to this day, I gave them, I, I gave them the, the, the strength and I was so confident in that they could do it. And then they'd come back to work and we talk about what they talked about, what they learned. And we talk about how we could use that in our actual environment at work. And as a result, I, out of, uh, I always had the highest scores of team excellence of <laughs> happy people because they, I, allowed them, I, I allowed them to grow. I insisted that they grow, that they didn't stay where they were. Because I don't think that that's what the universal presence wants from us. It wants yeah. us to change. It wants us to make mistakes. It wants us to learn more about ourselves. Yeah. So then I realized not using money right was my problem. So I started uh, coaching people about how to find out what their real beliefs are. See, when you look into your money, you know what you believe, Okay. Yeah. You just know. How do you spend your money? So we break it out in categories. So did you spend money on your your own development, your own self-development? And usually people don't. You'd be mm -hmm. surprised how smart that how small that budget is. But yeah. they spent money 
getting people out of debt, lending money they're never going to get back, eating out. We do so much eating out, and then we wonder where our health is bad. So once right. we can get those categories together, and I have you look over and for 120 days, you can see for yourself what you believe and what you think. And then I work with you to actually change that. But I did get to a point in life where I needed to know more about not just the mechanics of how people handled money, but how they thought about it, which is why I went back to do the holistic life uh, coaching degree. So that way I could tap into what you're thinking about, what you're thinking about spiritually, or and some people don't think they have a spiritual belief, but uh, any beliefs you have generally will go back what go back to what you believe spiritually. So I could identify any lack of consciousness so we could work on things that would help them start to understand that they too could create an abundance starting right where they are. Mm, I love it. I love it. <laughs> There's not a lot of people that I've been lucky enough to come across where even as you're reading their bio, the words literally jump off the page, right? So I, as I was reading through your stuff and preparing for today, I got excited, even more excited. So of course, <laughs> of course, I know you. Then I get a chance to read your bio. And then I'm like, okay, I got 10 other questions. I'm going to ask an assumptive question. Okay. How have you been able to make peace with your past? So this will be one of the last things I ask looking back as we now will dig into moving forward. But I, I think it's an important question because you tapped into a couple things early in the conversation of being able to get away from kind of the excess and the mess of life, right? That's probably uh -huh. the easiest way to put it. But you just strike me as someone who's been able to understand the lessons of the past, right? You talked uh -huh. about that, but also to a point, make some peace with it. So I am assuming that, but how have you been able to make peace with your past? Well, the first thing is if you take a real good look at what you've been able to experience, where you are now, how you got there. there. Then you look at the path that it took. Understanding that everybody's path is different. And you can't believe everything you hear and say on social media now. Okay. Right. Because they are skipping over a whole lot of stuff to get to where they are. And everyone defines success and how they, how they have actually accomplished things differently. So right. one of the things that held me up for a long time is I was a victim of uh, sexual molestation. Mm. And I was raped 23 times. And I know because I counted them. So what I did was, it looks like you you're frozen. Okay, we're still recording. So, so as I was saying, I was a victim of sexual molestation. So, Dr. Wilson Coleman, and again, I'm going to ask an assumptive question here. As I've read through your bio, like I said, your energy, your uh, the works that you've done, the achievements that you've had in your life, just bounce off the page. There's not a lot of people that I've been lucky enough to kind of follow and dig into that I feel that way about where I read it and I get excited by reading your stuff, right? So I'm going to ask the assumptive question and tell me if it is or and, and also tell me your thoughts, but how have you been able to make peace with your past? There's so many layers to who you are as a person. 
there's for every it seems like if you said universal push right you kind of put it out into the ether there's been some equal and opposite reactions that have almost led you to those pushes but you just seem to have and carry yourself with a really good energy and a peace how have you been able to make peace with your past well, one of the most important things I had to do when I, this was some important work for me is growing up, I was sexually molested and raped 23 times. I know because I counted them. Okay. okay. I had to. Okay. So how I made, I had to make peace with that. So I understand, I understood that we're all here for a reason and we're all here to do things. And some of some people have a really good ride and some people don't. And that's just the luck of the draw. It's not personal. That's just, hey, somehow, maybe in multiple lifetimes before I needed to atone for something. Who knows? <laughs> right. okay. So I wrote all of those instances down. And then I did what I call a burning bowl. So I took a pot. Okay. I actually use a cauldron now. So, and I wrote them down. I wrote how I felt. And I put them in there and I burned them up. Okay. Okay. And then I took the, and I love the water. I like water in mountains. So the one good thing about moving to Chicago is at least I got to keep the water, right? So, <laughs> so I took them to Lake Michigan and I released it. Okay. Okay. I just released it. I released it to whatever it is was I was supposed to learn, I've now learned. So this experience would not be repeated. So the one thing that I did learn from that is when you are a caretaker, I mean, in any situation, children, when you're a supervisor, or you're working with other people, you have to make sure that you are giving them what they need so that they can be their best self. And not to take away anything to make them feel worse about anything. So I got I got that message really loud and clear. So as a result of that, I'm all I always work with people, make sure they're trying to be their best self, help them release the things they need to release, step into their goodness and their greatness. And you can only focus on one thing at a time, too. So Gratitude lists are very important. So if any of that other stuff starts to come up, I go to gratitude. I forgive myself yeah. for reaching back into the past and trying to live there, but she can't live in the past. Right. And I have become really grateful for the fact that I know I can even do that. And the fact that that's not happening now, there are great things happening in my life. I try to stay focused on those things. And if I have a bad day, I have a bad day. I go take a nap. Okay. <laughs> That's what I do. I go take a nap. I mean, I literally, I have gone to bed and taken a nap at 11 o'clock in the morning. Cause I, I says, you know what? You didn't bring the best stuff in here today. So you need a nap child. So I go take a nap. <laughs> okay. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm only chuckling. I just had this conversation with some friends. I go, there are a couple of days where you just don't bring your fastball and you go, we got to reset. We, we need a 20 minute nap. We need to, we need to just recalibrate some things. Yeah. So I'm right. chuckling because of that. That's too right. close. Right. You just got to <laughs> recalibrate. That's all. Don't get mad about it. Don't get mad about it. It doesn't do any good to keep talking about your, they did me wrong story. Cause guess right. what? You know, 
They're not going to undo it. So why are you still talking about it? Absolutely. So take, <laughs> take a nap, okay? If you have to kick something, kick something plastic so you don't have to break anything, okay? You got to punch something, punch the pillow, but do yes. what you need to do. Exercise helps too. Get out, get out around nature. And you don't see the tree crying because it lost its leaves. You know, it just gets busy making new leaves. So you have got to figure out what you can do to reset. Because you can't take that energy into the next project because the next project will reflect that energy. I love it. I love it. And forgive yourself. And if people, and some people are waiting for other folk to come and say, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. That is just not happening. So I say, go to the mirror and do what I call mirror work. So everybody, when you go to pass a mirror, you look at that mirror and you say the best things possible you can think about yourself in that mirror. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do some mirror work. Yeah. Remind yourself how wonderful you are because you've survived that stuff. Don't put yourself down and say, oh, if this hadn't happened, because if that hadn't happened, you wouldn't be the you you are today. Absolutely. I love that. The two big pieces, that first piece about grace, right? When we're talking about ourselves personally, professionally, especially, Mm -hmm. we don't seem to give ourselves grace, right? Right. It's the old motto. And I talked to you about it when I was on your show. My grandmother used to say, you do the best you can with what you have at that point in time. Nobody's telling you to be perfect. Nobody's telling you to have all the answers. But giving yourself some grace, I think, is extremely big. And also the mindset piece. So I I just heard a uh, an old Simon Sinek uh, talk. Right? Oh, I love Simon Sinek. Right. (laughs) And he goes, "It's very difficult for people to actually think the negative." He goes, "Watch this." He goes, "I'm going to say something to you. Let's see if it works." He goes, "Don't think about an elephant." He goes, "Congratulations, you just thought about an elephant." I'm telling you, don't do it. But you're thinking about it, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's all that mindset of if you're if you're putting positive ideas and thoughts out there, you're usually going to get them back. And again, you're you're living proof. So they my, my my listeners and viewers don't have to hear me; they can just listen to Doctor Wilson Coleman because right. you you kind of the you know you're the white paper in this whole thing, right? Like we can see the actual result here. So that's uh, but I, I love it. I, I absolutely love that. So I want to dive into something a little more fun of currently what you're doing. So tell me more about how the Champagne Connection and your show, A Sip of Inspiration. So you got a, a bunch of things going on, but these two things, again, I, I was again lucky enough to be a guest on your show. I dug into the Champagne Connection. Tell our listeners, how did these two ideas and, and, uh, and projects come about and how have you gotten to, I've gotten both to where they are today? So, I believe that life is too short for you not to have or experience anything you want to experience. We get an average of what, about 77, maybe 80 years in good health. Yeah, that, that's usually women. The guys only get to about 70. Because right. Done stuff so, between that. <laughs> right. So life is just too short not to have yes. what it is you have. So hence the champagne connection, champagne standing for experiencing and having all of the good things that you actually want in your life come true. But the problem is, is we spend a lot of time thinking about what we don't want or what 
or the did they did me wrong story. So we don't spend any time thinking about what is it we want to experience. Now, Steve Harvey has a thing going through, uh, I think, TikTok now about sit down and write 300 things that you want. And the genius in that is once you start writing, you realize you don't want 300 things. Right. You realize that there's just really about 10 or 15 things that you really want in your life. And we, we do that a lot too. help you find your purpose, as everyone says. So there's there's a bunch of tests you can take for that. So once we identify that, then we literally set up steps and plans for you to take to start to live your life, to start to have that champagne life as the yeah. song says. So it's, and it, it, they're easy steps. People are awfully, su- awful surprised. If you can stop feeling bad about what happened and forgive yourself, if you can yeah. stop just hating other folk and forgive them, <laughs> you just freed up a whole bunch of time. Right, right. <laughs> Where you can work on your stuff. So people don't work on their stuff. So I help them work on their stuff. I create fun ways and games for them to get there. Uh, as a matter of fact, I created a, your top values game that people love to this day because uh, it's more than people say, well, what are your top values? No, we got a game for that. Okay. okay. Then you end up with the, with these values and you say, oh my God, that's right. That's me. That's what I do. So now do, how do we use them? And then I help people go through their, go through the day where during your day, you do one or two things just for you toward your dreams. Okay. And you will be surprised if you can start little how big that is. So, and then a sip of inspiration started because people used to say, you got to share this stuff because you do a whole bunch of stuff, right? You just got to do a whole <laughs> bunch of stuff in the platform. So I started as a cable access television show locally and would do things. And that was fun. I love TV. So that was fun. And we would have guests on because I'm not the only person in the world that's overcome stuff. There are a lot of people yeah. like me. Okay. And I think that you need to be introduced to those people. It's not just me. We all use different techniques. And I like to talk about the different techniques so people can see that it's not one, one or 10 things that you do. It's millions of things that people do that'll get you to the same place. It's just what can you do now? Not what Stephanie can do now. What can you do now? And maybe what you can do now is, as I always say, is look at how you're spending your money and determine uh, those feelings that went with that dress you bought that you don't have any place to wear it to. Okay, that's what we really need to talk about. Okay, so maybe that's where we can start. So those are some of the things that I do. So, okay, so what's the experience with the two days, the the two time a day Starbucks? What's the experience? Okay. Mm. You're trying to save money. So, well, what are you getting out of the experience of buying the dress of spending too much money on coffee or eating out every day when you can cook something? What is the experience? What's the emotional payoff? Now see that part right there. I think it's the most powerful piece of it, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're doing something in the moment and you're not thinking of even the emotional payoff. That, right. that is, I love that. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so when, when they find out what the emotional payoffs are, then we talk about other ways that you can actually get the same emotional good feel, but you're not breaking the bank. You're saving money. You're 
you are putting money toward your kid's college or toward that vacation you want to take or you're working to be debt free. So then we can find ways for you to do that to get emotional payoffs. So I'm asking people to pay attention to that in everyday things that they do. That's awesome. That's fantastic. How I say, how do you feel when you do that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How well, do you feel? And like you said, it, it goes back just to the mindset piece of it, right? Mm-hmm. Understand the mindset and the why behind it. I always say that if we're doing it right, we all should sound like five-year-olds. Why? Why are we doing this? Right. Why is this happening? Why is this the response I'm giving or getting, right? Right. So right. just simplifying the process in terms of the why behind it opens up a lot more of, of the of potentially the better mindset of where you're trying to get to. Right. I love it. Absolutely love it. So. Again, you've got Champagne Connection. You've got Sip of Inspiration. I mean, we are talking to a doctor, so I'm not surprised, right, of of how this all speeds up. But you've also just written your fifth book, correct? Yes, my fifth Fifth book. book. Yes, yes. For parents and their children. So, right. Uh, Self-esteem, your superpower, ways parents can improve children's self-esteem. And I wrote it. It's only like 41 pages. It's really simple. it includes really easy to use techniques uh, because I believe if the techniques aren't easy to use, people are not going to use them. Okay. okay. That's, that's in anything changing your life. You know, uh, something sound really, really daunting when you talk to some professionals, but if we keep it simple, So first, you're going to pay attention to things that your children do. And I talk about that in the book. Uh, One of the things is conversations. We don't talk to our kids about conversations because we don't think we have anything to talk about. So we ask the question, how was your day? How was school? So you get that one word answer. It's like, okay, um, it was good. Okay. That's what you get. So I am quite the inquirer now. So, you know, (laughs) I've done a little research. So I would say things like, okay, to my kids, I pick them up. What's your favorite thing to do when you're riding in the car? You know, so my son would say what it was his favorite thing to do was I'd say, well, why? How did you come up with that? And that's a whole conversation. So now we're talking about stuff that started off with what does he like to do in the car to everything else. And I just keep the conversation going. Okay. Right. And sometimes I just ask stupid questions, right? Like, <laughs> okay. We're going to the grocery store. Well, if you could buy the groceries, what would we buy? What would you buy? And what would we be eating the night for dinner? Okay. And then with my kid, I, we would actually buy that. And then we would actually, I would actually go home and we would fix that. And that would be what we would eat. Yeah. Okay. So you're engaging them all the time. So I, and I like, I can deal more with emotions, better with emotions than I can with words. Because when you ask them how to, you know, the words, people don't mean the same thing when they say the same word, but emotions are really telling. So I can ask, well, you know, he he played sports and I remember uh, he he loved, he loved baseball. That was number one. And um, (laughs) football was number two, but there was this thing about basketball. Everybody was playing basketball. So I said, how does it feel when you play basketball? And then he said, all that running up and down the court just for two points makes no sense to me. See, 
we talked about the feeling. How do you feel? He yeah. told me what the problem was. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He sure did. <laughs> so it's like okay, well, okay. So I'm gonna stop. I'm, I'm gonna stop pushing you about basketball now. I says, "So what are we gonna stick to?" He says, "Baseball." He says, "It is just baseball. Is just more satisfying. You either did your part or you didn't do your part, and you know right away." I says, "Okay, baseball. It is it." So you've just got to figure out. And so in the book, in the self-esteem book, I talk about that. I talk about setting aside some playtime with your kids and play with them. Sit in the floor if that's what they need to do. Sit in the floor. When they come home from school and whenever they come in the door, you've got to be excited. You've got to be glad. Just don't say, how was your day? I used to say, oh, my God, I'm so glad to see you. Look at you. And just compliment them about things. And then what happens is they're excited to see you. They're excited to be home with you because you're excited about them. And then if they have problems in school, I just found ways to help them to do that. You know, so uh, we would read together. So like uh, I'd get books that were just outside anything they was reading at school. Some of them on <laughs> when I had my stepdaughter, I used to tell her, you can't tell your teacher we read this book. But she she read a lot. So we would read the books. We would talk about them. And they would be mysteries or horror stories or serial killers. But we'd talk about it, the books. Yeah. It would be totally off. And then I would buy magazines and leave them <clears throat> in the living room and on the table of their favorite things. So I would take subscriptions. And okay. then, <clears throat> yeah, I would. And then yeah. in the mornings at breakfast, <clears throat> They'd all have, they both have to get a magazine and we would each read something to each other from our magazine. It's like, it. you just have to be creative. And when you're doing <laughs> stuff like that, it would be one, it, they just love coming home. So if they had a bad day, they were the first one to tell me what happened. You know, this is what um, happened and this is what they did and this is what they did. And I know I wasn't supposed to do this part, but this is how I felt about it. And then we would replay the situation. So talk to your kids, but play games with them too. So, and color. Nobody likes the color anymore. Color. Go to the Dollar Tree. Those things are about 25. Yeah. Color with them. And yeah. once you do that, they're learning more. Then they will begin to tell you the real things about what's going on. That so-and-so hit me or they said this or the teacher didn't do this. And then you can help them with ways to handle that. And then, of course, you march right up to the school and talk to the teachers and the principals too. <laughs> but you don't take that combative attitude with you because nobody wants to work with you right. if you are combat combative. Try to see all sides of the story. And true enough, somebody is probably more wrong than the other but right. go with go with that sense that everybody in this room is important and at the end of the day i want everyone to have learned what they need to know so that tomorrow they're all, we're all better people i absolutely love this the funny part as you're telling the story of the book, it almost sounds like we could be using this as adults, right? Somebody walks into the room you haven't seen in a while, just just a nice welcoming energy, smile, yeah. you know. Yeah. And again, it's just that relation piece because it almost is the uh, 
version for the parents of how to win fl- friends and influence people. You remember that yes. book, right? Dale right. Carnegie. Right. That kind of vibe of if I give you the safe spaces to feel like you can interact with me openly, you're going to want to tell me stuff, right? People exactly. like to talk about themselves, even kids. Right. So that's I. That's so right. good. And and, and the reading department is huge. Go find ahead. something. Find something in everyone that you like. And if there's nothing that you like, you don't need to talk to those people. You all are not friends. Let them go. Okay. (laughs) It's the message from God. But there's something that you like and focus on that. Understanding everybody is having issues. Everybody's experiencing some problems because we're here to grow. So everyone's having some kind of growth pains. Everybody. Okay. So find something that you can compliment something that you like about them and say what you mean. So if I say I can give me a call, I'll help you. You need to help the people when they call. No doubt. Okay. Because that's another part of this thing too, is if you don't keep your word to yourself, then who's going to keep their word with you when you need something? You've got to, you have got to understand that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. I love this. This is so fun. (laughs) Here's a question for you. And this actually taps into something you mentioned earlier in our discussion. I want to know professionally and personally, and it could be knowing you, it might be one and the same, but what's your definition of success? My definition of success is that you have given yourself permission to try something, to try to do something hard mm-hmm. and you actually did it. Now, I didn't say you were good at it when you did it. <laughs> it was successful when you did it. It's not yeah. what I said. Okay. Yeah. You set out to do something and you did it. Yeah. Because what you learned from whatever you did is valuable. Even if what you decided midway through it is this is not the thing you really wanted to do anyway, mm. it's something else you wanted. Those are the people that I, I just love that because we don't give ourselves enough. We don't give ourselves a chance. It's like we say things like, I even used to say this. Uh, now, my son, before he died, said he wanted me to get healthy. He gave me instructions to hike. I says, I can't do this. I can't do this. But one day I said, well, you know, girl, you can get up and walk around the corner. That's success. That's that's what you're doing. (laughs) For me at that time. And now I'm I'm up to 40 miles a week. Okay. Mm. So people just, just started. That is, that is, that is so empowering and let people see you fail. That's empowering and let them see you get up. That's empowering too. Yeah, I love it. And love yourself no matter what happens. That sometimes can be the toughest thing for people to do on a consistent basis, right? Not in moments, not in spurts, but consistency of, like you said, the mirror technique. (laughs) I'm going to look in the mirror and I'm going to find the best things about me. That's, um, I like that definition. And and everybody in the fun part, I like asking that question to people that I know and that interests me because the answers are so different. They come to back to universal pieces, right? Mm-hmm. Giving yourself some grace, finding the, the true portions of who you are and, and continuing 
to kind of go again. But I love that. That's a great, that's a fun answer for that. So you've got so much going on, right? We, and mm-hmm. we talk so much about it. And, and again, it puts a big smile on my face. But how do you find your time to reset, relax, and allow you to go again? What does that process look like for you? Because we always hear go, go, go from folks who are successful uh, in their personal and especially their professional lives. What does that reset and relax time look like for you? What do you do? So I probably have more relaxed time than people think. <laughs> <laughs> they always ask you, do you sleep? Let me let me ask the question right. I always get. Do you sleep? Um, I didn't before. So there has okay. been a time where I didn't get much sleep. I was running okay. on three, four hours of sleep. And um, and then I had a, a visit to the doctor who explained that my every all of my vitals were just off. Right? Yeah. Just off. So I... At that time, I I read the, a book. Uh, I think it was Surrender by Michael Singer. Okay. Okay. So I said, you know what? I can't function like this. So now this is when the rubber hits the road. I either believe in a divine presence that's going to help me through, or I don't. Mm. Okay. Yeah. This rate, I'm going to burn out. Right. Right. So uh, I sleep now. I I I go to bed. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> so everything is off about ten thirty. Okay. I go to bed. I, yeah. I get under the cover, go to bed. Okay. Right. <laughs> In pajamas, go to bed. Right. <laughs> Nothing's on. Everything's off, and and <laughs> don't have an emergency because I'm not gonna I'm gonna see you till the morning. All right. Right. And then. And then I get up in the morning and I have about an hour and a half where I spend with myself, which is prayer time. And then I do affirmations and I go over gratitude list and I do all of that. That's an hour and a half. I don't allow it to be interrupted. Um, so then I start my day with this, the world, and then I get anywhere from three to six miles in a day during the daytime. Uh, so I find that once I started to get some rest, I wake up in the morning energized. Right. And then after after I do my my uh, prayer time, even in pr- while I have that time and I do that meditation time, answers to stuff come. So when I start work, answers are there already. Right. So yeah, so I find that I I can do more, it seems, mm-hmm. with less time because I'm rested. And, and that was a big thing for me to get rested. And to just use the meditation time. So it sounds like it's all work. Uh, luckily, I always say I can do a, I can do a, a, a normal amount of work in a short period of time. Yeah. Uh, but that's not me. That comes from being rested and being focused. Because when you're focused, you'd be surprised what you can get done. Yeah. Yeah. Proper yeah. preparation almost, basically, yeah. right? It is. And then... Yeah. But then I have, then I do have some things like at the end of the day, I will, I go through my to-do list, what I accomplished, what I didn't accomplish. I set tomorrow up too. That's key for me mm-hmm. is I write down what I, I write down what I know I need to do tomorrow. And I have um, two columns, things that absolutely have to be done. And then things that I can move if there is something else that comes up because there's emergencies. So sure. I like to make sure I'm going to have some time to handle those emergencies without ruining sleep and looking at high cholesterol, high blood pressure and all that other stuff again. Right, so, right. Uh, so I do that. So I, I do that. So I sit down, I write down five things that I know I'm going to do tomorrow. Uh, and then I said, okay. And if I get time, I'll do these. And if tomorrow just goes haywire, 
okay, these are the things I don't have to do tomorrow. I can do another day. So you can see I got to plan A, B, and C going into the day before I go to bed. So that's probably why I can sleep because I already know what tomorrow is going to look like, right? You're and so, ready to go. But I don't check. I don't check social media until later in the day. Uh, I do will check email because I since the new book is out, I've been getting a lot of email from press to interview me. So I check that early, but I literally only check for press responses early in the morning. That's it. Because okay. I do, you know, I do that. I get a lot done. Then I, and that's the deal I make. You get this done and you can hit that hiking trail and I go to the hiking trail and see all the trees and birds and then do that, come back home. And then I do the next set and it says at the end of the day, this is what we did. Okay. This is what you got to do in the morning. Okay, if it's, if something happens, you can skip on this because you got to plan for you have to plan for emergencies because emergencies right. happen, and that was one thing I learned. So that's that's me. So yeah, so don't call me doing a sleep chat. As my mother used to say, as my mother used to say, we would we would be out. She would say, "Now y'all know what time I go to bed." So if anything happens after that bedtime. You get to either call the police or the ambulance because I'm not going to be able to help you. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I've shut it down. Thank I you. shut it down. I, <laughs> I shut it down. Right? <laughs> so that's how I handle it. Oh, shut it down. That's awesome. But then and I, I and do, I plan it though to the hour though, my work day. Okay. So that may be a little anal. So, okay. So you got to know how long it's going to take you to do something. So it's like, so I plan it to the, to the hour. And if I'm working on a project, I give myself a certain amount of time because you can't you can't keep that creative juice rolling all the time. Right. You know, it comes when it comes. So I do take pencil and paper with me even when I'm hiking, because if I get an idea, I'll jot it down. That I don't stop. Okay. We are not gonna stop and work that thing out. We're gonna write that thing down. Thank you, God. Put that in the pocket and we're gonna keep on going. Okay. So <laughs> Because <laughs> that's uh, a commitment I made to me. And if I right. don't keep the commitments I make to me, how do I expect other people to, ki- to keep their commitments that they make to me? Yeah. Yeah. That makes complete sense. Mm-hmm. I love it. <laughs> so to wrap this thing up, how do our listeners find you, find your words? How do they connect with you? Tell, tell us all the things. How does this work? Okay. So... <laughs> you can put my name in Google. That's Stephanie Wilson hyphen Coleman. And I'm usually in the first three or four or five pages. There is another Stephanie Wilson. She's an astronaut. That's not me. Okay. Okay. So you're <laughs> okay. not the astronaut. I'm not yeah. the astronaut. Okay. Right. Not okay. the astronaut. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and the website is Champagne Connection. That's C-H-A-M-P-A-G-N-E. I spell it because there's a Champagne, Illinois, that's spelled different. So it's like yes. the liquor, champagne connection. There's no S at the end. If you put in champagne connections, I haven't been there lately, but it's not me. Okay. So okay. champagneconnection.com is how you find me. You can even get, and when you, when you log into there, there's a pop-up where you can actually uh, subscribe to a uh, blueprint to financial success. And if you listen to this, you already know that it's going to deal more with your emotions and experiences than money that comes later. Um, and you can find me too on a sip of inspiration.com. It'll send me an email there. I have the podcast, um, 
It's everywhere podcasts are. It's hosted on anchor.com, uh, but it's also on YouTube. So you can find me on YouTube. Uh, I do uh, Empower DR, E-M-P-O-W-R-D-R uh, is Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and Instagram and TikTok and all those other places. Uh, if you do Empowerment Doctor, then that will get you to my business Facebook page. But I don't use that a lot because people tend to communicate me in my personal page. So that's how you find me. Awesome. Well, I'm glad our viewers have that opportunity to find you. Dr. Wilson Coleman, this has been an absolute pleasure and a treat. I really appreciate the time. And I'm glad I got a chance to spend some more time with you and, and learn more about your story. You're welcome. But, you know, you don't have to call me Dr. Wilson Coleman. Yes, I do. will get you everything nope. you want. Nope. I, nope. Look, we made a deal on your show. If I'm a doctor, you're a doctor. You got okay. the same thing. So no, I, okay. I, I don't care what they call you. They can call you Stephanie <laughs> if they'd like to. I'm calling you doc or doctor. That's how this works. So Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and again, I want to thank my special guest, Dr. Stephanie Wilson Coleman, for being here with us today. This has been Doc's Discussions on St. Louis Business Radio X. Take care and we'll see you next time.